0: Thank you, Lord. All right. Well, while we're just getting our um, our seats and things, <laughs> hopefully that thing holds. We um, we've been doing a, uh, a series on faith and finances, and it's so funny because the whole time while we were worshiping, I was just thinking people are probably wondering, like, are you talking about finances in the middle of a you know global pandemic? And there might even be some people that are offended. Um, that we would talk about finances in the middle of a global pandemic where finances are, seem to be you know, quite a struggle. And I just want to say I love you. Thank you for your opinion. Thank you, Jesus, that I was nailed to the cross. <laughs> but actually, the, that's the very reason we are talking about it, because we're talking about his kingdom. And one of the areas of the kingdom of God that's been attacked in this season is actually finances. And um, it's funny that uh, fear, what fear does is it causes you to shrink back and it causes you to think self-preservation. And, uh, and so what happens is in the area of our money, which is a reflection of our hearts, we begin to shrink back in fear. And we think that actually the best thing to do, the wisest thing to do now, is to think <laughs> ahead and save and put away and try and whatever we've got just to survive. And we go into survival mentality. And um, uh, this is not going to work here, Dad. Sorry. Can we get another table if possible or anything? Um, And so I want to encourage you with this, that in the middle of of fear, look at what the Lord's doing in times of worship. That actually all around us, there's uncertainty and fear, and people are are freaking out. And what God's saying is, look up, lift your heads, begin to see what I'm doing on the earth. That actually, I'm doing amazing things, and I'm calling us to expand. And I'm saying to you, expand um, the the length of your tent, and actually strengthen the cords, strengthen the tent pegs. And uh, that's God's heart for us. And so what we read out of Isaiah is that God's actually saying for the church, I want you to be front-footed. That's what makes you different to the world in this season, is that everybody's panicking and shrinking back, and the church is not called to shrink back. We're called to take ground in the kingdom. And so that's our our heart behind faith and finances. We don't want to just talk about um, principles uh, of finances that, you know, hey, these are nice things to know. We actually want to position ourselves as a community in a place of pioneering faith to go forward in what God's called us to do because what we're going to see in the kingdom is going to require great faith. It, it really is. And not only that, but in order to reach the nations and the people groups and, and do the things that God's called us to do, it's going to require great finances. And I just want to encourage you with some crazy stats. You know, globally, the church globally has 9,000 times the finances to finish the Great Commission. 9,000 times. We have, we have more money than we, when we could ever even dream of to do what God's called us to do. But do you know that just from America alone, 0,0001% of finances are given to global missions? That's scary. So God wants to shift our perspective on finances. We we begin to think kingdom when it comes to healing, when it be, when it comes to sharing the gospel with people. But we forget that actually, in order to send people to do what God's called them to do, it actually does require finances. It's just how the world works. And money is actually a holy thing when it's in submission and surrendered to God. And what we're going to get into, um, you know, later today, my dad will share on this. Actually, the difference between mammon and money. And you know, sometimes we get we're afraid of money because we think money's evil. So then we, we're we not effective with our money or we are actually being ruled and, and we're being run by mammon, which is the spirit that actually operates over money. So we're going to get into that. But just to kind of set the tone, uh, if you want to just jump with me to Luke chapter 12. It's so funny. I, for some reason, I felt too... Um, too use my, my nation's Bible this morning. I, I have an Amplified Bible that I got last year, which is beautiful. And then this is my ESV Bible, which has been with me to every nation I've ever traveled to. And I didn't know it was going to go where it went this morning, but God told me to bring this one. So that's awesome. And it's ESV, so my dad will be proud of me. Even though Amplified is better, but we won't go down that road. <laughs> I'm checking All right, so before we just dive into some scripture and just lay a quick foundation, let's just pray and ask Holy Spirit to open our hearts to receive His Word and to be transformed this morning. So Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing today, God. What a privilege to be your church. What a privilege to gather around the Word in our homes and, and here this morning. And as we open the Word, we ask Holy Spirit, you're the author. Would you reveal Jesus to us? Would you reveal your kingdom to us? Would you show us who you are this morning as we look at the Word together? And I pray that we would look at our Bibles like a beautiful um, encounter that we're coming into, that we're encountering the Word. We're not just reading it. We're actually becoming it. So we just love you. Open our hearts to receive. Thank you that this would be good seed and good soil. We bless you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so Luke chapter 12 is a a powerful chapter and there's so much in here. We're not going to be able to get through all of it this morning, but I'm going to very quickly just take some parts of it, lay a quick foundation for what we want to get into. And then my dad's going to just teach uh, for about 15, 20 minutes into um, something that we feel is so important for us in this time that we understand it. And we'll end off with three questions that we want to answer and discuss. So in Luke chapter 12, it's very interesting from verse 4, this section here, Jesus, he's he's actually, um, he's talking about uh, having a fear and, and, and he's addressing the natural and the spiritual. And he's saying, don't fear the things of the natural, rather fear the things of the spirit. So like for an example, he says, um, you know, uh, but I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. So he's saying, don't fear things that can affect you here on the earth. Rather feel uh, fear things that are of eternal value, right? So he's having this discussion. Then he begins to shift, and he talks about acknowledging Jesus before men. And if you do that, he acknowledges you before the angels of God. And he's talking about his kingdom, He's saying when you begin to acknowledge Jesus in your everyday life, you're acknowledged in the kingdom of God, and you get the full backing of heaven in everything that you do. He's not just talking about salvation. He's actually talking about the kingdom, right? And so here's the context of what Jesus is talking into. And all of a sudden, we want to focus from verse 13, chapter 12, verse 13. This man in the crowd, in this context of what Jesus is saying, he pops up and he says this. It says, verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And it's just, when I read that, I was talking to my dad yesterday, and I thought, that's so strange. That here's Jesus talking about, don't fear things of the natural, fear the things of the spirit, rather. Be concerned with those things. Then he begins to talk about the kingdom. And if you acknowledge Jesus in your everyday life, that you're acknowledged before the angels of God, that the full backing of heaven is for you. He's talking kingdom. And this guy pipes up, and he's still thinking natural. And he's still thinking uh, fear on this level. And he begins to bring up finances, divide an inheritance with me. Very interesting. And then Jesus blows our mind even more, and he says this. He said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And when I read that, I laugh because I'm like, Jesus, you are the great judge. You know, you are the judge. I mean, if anyone should judge anything, it should be Jesus. But what he's highlighting here is he's saying, this is of so little concern to me. There's no value in that. Divide inheritance, you're talking this concern of finances. God's like, it's so small to me. I'm talking to you about my kingdom. I'm talking to you about the eternal realm. And you're concerned with your rights and what you deserve out of this little situation. This is what Jesus brings up. And this is what He says. He begins to teach them. He said to them, verse 15, "'Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions.'" So Jesus starts off and He makes this really simple but clear principle. He says, we as believers need to disconnect our life from our possessions, from the abundance of our possessions. If our life, if our soul is connected to what we have and what we own, we're in serious trouble. But if we disconnect who we are, our identity, our life, the source of our being, if we disconnect it from our uh, possessions, from the abundance of our possessions, we can live a truly spiritual life, okay? Okay. And he says this in 16, and he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. Right? So now you've got the situation. Here's this guy who's doing really well. He's very successful in the natural realm things are going well for him. And now he's thinking, well, what am I going to do with all this success? Okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to build larger bonds. I'm going to store it up for myself so that I'm, it's almost like a little mini retirement plan, yeah? I'm going to actually just plan for the next couple of years, and I'm going to be fine. I don't have to worry about anything, and it's all good. And he actually says, I love that, he says to his soul, soul, how many people have you talked to your soul like that? I said to my soul, soul, this is what's going to happen, okay? I love that. So he says, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. So he's, he's super comfortable right now. He's comfortable, self-preservation, fear for the future. Do as much as I can now so that I can live a comfortable, easy life. It's just not the kingdom. Listen to what God says, verse 20. But God said to him, fool. Whoa. He didn't say, oh, come on, you know, stop being so selfish. He said, fool. So, he's actually calling what this man has just done stupid. It's like, I mean, that's the, probably one of the worst things you want to hear from God. Like, fool, you know, come on. He's actually saying, come on, what you're doing is so stupid. This is so silly. And why is it silly? Because it's completely earthly and natural realm thinking. It has nothing to do with the kingdom of God and has nothing to do with what God has actually called this person to do. And so, he says, fool, this night your soul is required of you. This is why Jesus mentioned we need to disconnect our life from our possessions. This night, your soul is required of you, and listen to this, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is, or so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So here, Jesus just makes this beautiful picture where he's saying, he's saying, actually, firstly, the things that you've prepared, whose will they be? Because if you're connected to them and you're just living in this natural realm, they have zero eternal value. Like, we need to allow ourselves to be challenged by that eternal value. Are we living for things of eternal value? And then he he uses this wording, which I love. He says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So where does wealth and riches and prosperity fit in the gospel when it's rich towards God? for the things of God, for the kingdom of God, for what God's called us to do. There's nothing wrong with being successful and blessed. But when you're successful and blessed and try to build larger bonds for yourself and you're just thinking me and my little future, self-empire, then God actually says, fool. But when we begin to think kingdom and we're rich towards God, then now we begin to step into the kingdom. And the next uh, section of Scripture, it's amazing, Jesus begins to talk about, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, or what you'll put on. So he's saying, don't worry about these natural things. Don't worry about the things that everybody around you is worrying about. You don't need to worry about that. And if you jump down, he says, um, verse 24, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds, right? Now, what's so beautiful is we're talking in this context about sowing and reaping as a principle of the kingdom. And God's saying, look at the ravens. They don't even get the privilege of operating in kingdom principles, and yet look at how I care for them. You're not a raven, you're a son and a daughter of God. So, yes, I, your needs are taken care of, but I've also equipped you with kingdom principles that you can access where you can go way beyond just your needs being met, where you can now actually reap you can sow and reap in the kingdom things that are on God's heart, on God's agenda, building His kingdom, right? Um, Powerful that. And then it says, jump all the way down uh, to, you should read this on your own time, it's powerful, but jump all the way down to um, verse 29. It says, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. So what Jesus is talking about here, remember, he's, He's talking in the context of daily needs. These are your practical everyday needs, your groceries and your rent and your your clothing, and your whatever. And Jesus is saying, don't worry about those things, and uh, don't be worried. And then verse 30, for all the nations of the world seek after these things. So He's making it clear that this is, that's worldly concerns. That's fleshly, natural realm concerns. Don't worry about those things. Guess why you don't have to worry? Because your Father knows that you need them. So he's saying, you don't even have to go there. Don't even go into anxiety and fear and concern. Your father knows that you need those things. So you just trust him and you begin to walk in the kingdom and do what God's called you to do. Because if you live in your heart and in your mind rich towards God, then the prosperity and blessing of God begins to flow because he can trust where it goes. Does that make sense? Then just to to wrap this up, uh, it says there, um, for your father knows what you need. Verse 31, instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Verse 32, fear not, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you. He doesn't say to give you a whole lot more possessions and to give you that extra car and that extra house and that you know private tuition and whatever. Oh, he just doesn't say that. Guess what he says? It's my good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now that should be the best news you've ever heard. You know, you can tell where your heart's at, actually. If you're waiting to hear, I'm going to get that Ferrari, then you're still living on this natural realm. But the fact that God says it's my good pleasure to give you the kingdom means something of eternal value that is the most precious thing God entrusts to His children. That's incredible. And then He says this, verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Now, He's not making it a command. He's showing you the fruit of what happens when you begin to walk in the kingdom of God. You're not afraid of lack. You're not afraid of loss. You're actually, you're, you're, you see yourself as a solution to what's happening around you. So now it's like, why do, why do you see Christians that are so radically generous that even their own possessions they would sell to bless others? It's because they're about His kingdom. It's because they're not worried about the day-to-day needs. They know that their father has them covered, but they're living for eternity, something of eternal value. It says, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. And I love this. He wraps it up here. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so Jesus directly connects that where you are prepared to sow, it reveals what you value. And so this is what's so interesting. We spoke a little bit last week about um, tithes, the difference between tithes and offerings. And your tithe is about lordship. It's the 10% that belongs to God as a statement of your surrender and submission to Him. And the offerings is now you as a son or a daughter of God partnering in the kingdom to show that you have a value for what's eternal. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so it's so important that we understand this, that, that when we tithe and when we sow, what we're showing is that my treasure is in His kingdom. It's not in this natural realm, okay? And then the last thing, verse 35, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. I feel like right now where we are at, the situation that we're in, is actually that God's is asking us to see the big picture of His kingdom. He's saying, don't get so stuck on the small little season that's happening right now where there's specific little struggles and concerns, but actually begin to see what I'm doing. Trust me for what you need because I know that you need them. I'm a good father. But know that it's my good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And I've called you to operate in something of eternal worth and value. So now when you take finances and you begin to put them into that perspective, into that picture, it becomes an exciting part of your life, not a fearful part. It becomes something that's a joy, not something that's a burden. And so as we go into this, my dad's going to share a little bit now around the heart and even around just mammon and and the spirit of, of the age where mammon wants to try and rule and control your life when actually you've been called to be ruled by the king and his kingdom. And so, uh, I just wanted to, to set that foundation and say this, that everything that you hear in this series, make sure that you're listening and receiving through the lenses of the kingdom, that you're thinking the big picture of God all the time. Because the reason why we're doing this in this season at this time is that I believe God wants to set the church free in the area of finances for the sake of His kingdom. So, Dad, I want to hand over to you there, and you can jump on from there.
1: I think you covered it. No. Um... What is really, really exciting for me is at this time when God is mobilizing the church worldwide. He's also mobilizing 24-7 church in the the microcosm of that big move of God. Um, One of the areas that I think he's wanting to mobilize is finances. Um, Not just to um, have this idea of uh, let's suck my people dry um, so I I can do what I need to do, but let me lavish my people. Um, so that we can not only can we do what we 're called to do, but that we can be a light to a world that is being sucked dry of its finances right? or they 're being channeled in the wrong area to the select hand few uh, people instead of uh, God wants to bless every single one of us so what I love is in this series that we felt in our hearts to do is It's still a mobilizing of us as a church, just mobilizing us from a financial perspective, as well as our hearts are so excited to be mobilized from a a spiritual perspective. Can I encourage every single one of you to not um, make money something that's not spiritual? Um, Because the Bible doesn't separate that out. The Bible keeps them very close together. In fact, how you handle your money is proportionate to what you are entrusted with, the responsibility that you're given in the kingdom. It's very powerful. Um, Luke chapter 16, you can go read it there. um, Verses 11 and verse 12 will reiterate what I've just spoken about. It's just after the parable of the uh, dishonest manager and how he's dealing and he's he's trying to steal the money and the master comes and makes him give an account of it. And then it goes on to talk about um, if you unfaithful in unrighteous mammon how will you be faithful in God's true riches uh, if you're not faithful in that which is another man's how will you be faithful in your with your own what that's really telling us is that what we do right now is another man's it's Jesus's if we, we're faithful in the little and he can give us much so what he's asking us of now right now is for us to understand kingdom principles and kingdom understanding of finances so that He can cause us to now um, overflow with the abundance to do what He's called us to do, right? Um, let me also say this. I know there's some new people in the room too. Um, let me say this categorically up front uh, very clearly, is that money is a, uh, a difficult topic, um, and a lot of people try and separate it out or are nervous because um, the church Speaks on money. Can I just give you the reality of the Word of God? The reality of the Word of God is just over 500 times the Bible talks about prayer. Just think about prayer, just over 500 times. When the Bible talks about faith, just under 500 times it talks about faith. The Bible talks about money over 2,000 times. Jesus speaks on money and money matters 16 times of the 38 parables. 16 of the 38 parables talks about finances. I think finances are important. Amen. So, so it's good for us to understand this because we want our lives to be aligned to what He's talking about, what He's called us to, so we can achieve all, all that we need, right? Amen. Let me also just lay this platform with, for some of the new guys just to reiterate for the rest of us. When we were born again, it wasn't a simple prayer that's going to get us to heaven one day. Now we're just sitting waiting for God to rescue us out of here, and we're hoping that we can apply the Bible, and it'll just get us through and help us until He comes back, right? We know that the Word of God come, has come to transform our lives. So if it's come to transform our lives, it's come not only to transform our lives, but they become a light now to the world. So I want to encourage you as we apply the Word of God and be transformed, it's in this area of finances that if we can get transformed in that area, we can be the light to the world. And I also want to say this, that light and darkness are so opposite, you can clearly know which is which, right? So, just as you know when you're in the dark, you know when you're in the light. It's 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 self evident. So as well with the kingdom of God and His finances, when you operating in the kingdom of God with His kingdom uh, understanding of finances, it's like night and day to finances that relate to the world. So I share all that because last week we talked about Matthew chapter six, and we also talked about two Corinthians uh, chapter nine, nine. I think we were talking about chapter nine. Um, so I want to just touch on some of that, but launch off from that just very quickly. In Matthew chapter 6, when he talks about you cannot serve God and mammon. He uses an Aramaic word there, mammon. Uh, it actually, uh, this, the Assyrians actually borrowed that word from the Babylonians, their neighbors. And uh, the Babylonians should stir up some a little bit of thoughts about the Babylonians and um, about... Uh, right in the very beginning in Genesis about the Tower of Babel. Um, and uh, Babylon was a huge, magnificent splendor of a city built on pride and arrogance and on wealth that was uh, declaring uh, their self-sufficiency and their independence from God. They don't need anyone else. They just, um, they can do this thing themselves. That's what it spoke of. And that's, that's what I want to just touch on very quickly this morning is... Uh, you cannot serve God and mammon, meaning that these two are diametrically opposed to one another, and uh, both want to be masters, both want to, to be the one that has the final say, the final authority, and we have to uh, challenge our hearts all the time and make sure that way we stay free from mammon. So we've got to understand this, mammon. Um, um, Hebrews 13 verse 5 says, stay free from the love of money, uh, 1 Timothy 6.10 talks about um, that it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. So now we're, we're kind of getting a, a hint here, a little understanding that it's not money, but the love of money. So when we study again and find out a little bit about uh, mammon, we find out that mammon is a spirit. It's the prevailing spirit of this earth. It's, it operates over money. Your money Either has God operating over it, or it has the spirit of mammon operating over it. Money itself is neither righteous or unrighteous. Money, actually, God is, is quite happy that we operate and that we are blessed with money. But the problem that he does have is, and that's where you, you can see in Luke chapter 16, uh, again, that story calls uh, mammon unrighteous. Not money, unrighteous mammon. This spirit, this unrighteous spirit that wants to operate over our finances. So our finances fall in one of those two camps. How do we make sure that our finances have the Spirit of God over them? The way we do that, friends, is that we allow the Lord to bless our finances. The way we do that is with our tithes. See, our t- God doesn't need your money. We, we, we must understand that He's talking about a heart issue and not about some little technicality. That's why we're trying to labor a little bit uh, this morning and, and last week on the heart issue around money, which is vital for when He gives it to us, then some technicality about trying to study the word, and let's have a fat argument and a discussion as whether it's this or whether it's that. The end result is that if you have given God your heart, and money has come under that, your wallet has gone in with your heart to God, then it's irrelevant when He speaks, we will just follow, right? So it's very important, and we have to stay free from this. And God says, it is a master, you cannot serve both. And the reason being is because you'll either love one and hate the other, or you will serve one and you'll, you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. So, so mammon, the spirit is so radically... Uh, opposed to god it wants literally wants you to serve it and it wants you to actually aggressively despise god so when we talk about money and the church and all of that there is this spirit that rises up inside of our hearts that just has anger that wants us to despise god despise literally and this is what i'm talking about we are fighting a spirit that prevails over this earth we are not we're in a war friends We're in a war, a war over our lives, a war over our finances, a war over the things of God, a war that revolves around the kingdom. You see, we live in this earth, but Jesus said, I've now come. And he said, the kingdom of God is now at hand. He wants us to operate in the kingdom. Adam and Eve were given the mandate of the kingdom to operate in the earth, but they gave that authority over to the devil. And Jesus came to restore back the kingdom. There is two things operating here. There is a natural realm of this earth which is operated by the enemy and by mammon, and there is the kingdom of God. And if we operate in the kingdom of God, it is a higher authority than the kingdom of this earth. And so when we talk about money now, now it's important that we operate in that realm so that it can overcome this natural realm. So now we want to just, uh, let me just uh, kind of maybe touch a little bit on mammon. Um, and uh, uh, let me just use a quick uh, illustration, Romans eleven sixteen. If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. If the root is holy, so are the branches. So if the dough of the first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. How do we put our finances in God's hands and bring His blessing and anointing over that? Friends, the way we do it is to tithe. 10%, 10%, by the way, 10 in the Bible. If you go throughout the whole Bible, all the different things, the 10 plagues, the, 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 they were tested in the wilderness 10 times. Daniel in, the, in chapter 1, 10, tested 10 times. 10, the 10 commandments. 10 is a test. The tithe is a test. It's a test where it challenges where your heart is. Because if you give that to God, then the whole is now holy. It's now blessed. Isn't it interesting that when we look and we see in Luke chapter 9, Uh, verses 10 to 17 is the story of the uh, of the five loaves and two fishes in the five loaves and two fishes they bring the five loaves and two fishes to Jesus and he blesses it before friends there can be any multiplication of finances in our lives he has to bless it it has to be blessed and that's what the tithe does friends what it does is kill the spirit of mammon so what is the spirit let's Let's just touch a little bit firstly on the spirit. Friends, the spirit of mammon is a buying and selling spirit. I'm not going to go into too deep today. Maybe later I'll, 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 I'll unpack it a little bit. But it is the exact opposite of the spirit of God, which is a sowing and reaping spirit. Now, we are not farmers today. But it's the spirit that we're talking about. God's got no problem with business today. But let me say this. Before, with the sowing and reaping principle versus the buying and selling principle, when you sow and reap, what is the reality of a sowing and reaping uh, understanding? Sowing and reaping, friends, is that you sow and then you have to trust for there to be a harvest. When you sow, there's no guarantee of any harvest. You have to trust. You have to trust that that seed, friends, is watered and nurtured and looked after so that it can bring forth a harvest. The natural understanding of sowing and reaping is a relationship with God. It's a natural trust. It's built in to a sowing and reaping principle. What's built into the spirit of mammon in buying and selling, friends? It's rooted in the very essence of the curse, which is man will work by the sweat of his brow, and it will constantly be unfruitful because of the thorns and the thistles. What happens with buying and selling, friends, is it becomes a transactional operation between man and man. There is no need for God to get involved in buying and selling, friends. It becomes a dependency and a reliance on, on man. So there's this buying and selling. You know what happens with buying and selling too? What happens with buying and selling, there's always a cost. See, there's, I'm an accountant, so there's a sales price and there's a cost of sales. And what you get from buying and selling is a small margin. That's the unfruitfulness. You work so hard, you get a little margin. I spent all day today going out there and doing this and selling and trying to do all this. What did I get for it? (laughs) Buying and selling, friends. Now, remember the Lord said, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. We're in this world of buying and selling and God will anoint and bless our buying and selling. I'm trying to get us to understand a heart here and a principle that we cannot let go of is because with sowing and reaping friends you get 100 percent not a margin but 100 percent what i'm asking you this and challenging you is that one is a kingdom principle one is a worldly principle can a worldly principle be redeemed why are we trying to redeem a worldly principle when we should be operating in a kingly principle So what I'm saying is that a a spirit of mammon, friends, and just to reiterate this to help you, if you study the whole book and you go to the end of this book, you'll find out in Revelations chapter 13 is that the Antichrist, the big big end game that attacks the church, where will it try and manipulate, control, and attack the church? Money. You will not be able to buy and sell Unless you take the mark, whether you think it's some big mark, or or whatever it is. Friends, what simply is it's six? It's the number of man. See, kingdom of God operates outside of man. It operates in relationship with God. See, there are three things that are vital. One is relationship with God, first and foremost. The reason why you and I are blessed, the reason why we are prosperous, the reason why we are, we have the full backing of heaven over our lives is because of Jesus. So this whole lockdown was all getting us back to that encounter and the relationship with God. And then when we have that relationship with God, we must stay in the understanding of grace. We do not earn this thing. We don't deserve it. So when you understand finances, you must first understand a relationship with God. Secondly, grace. But then the third thing in finances is we must action faith. Those are the three for things to operate. That's what I'm talking about now. So what we do with mammon, friends, is that we cause mammon to serve us. That's spirit. Use unrighteous mammon to gain friends. That's Luke 16. You see, when you actually take, you bow and you begin to take your finances to bless people, friends, then you, people, you, you, you gather friends. You kind of say one day when you get to heaven, you hope that there's a whole bunch of people waiting to applaud you and to honor you because you've allowed God to use you and to let mammon serve you rather than you serve mammon. Amen. See, the reason why I say all of this, and I know I'm laboring the point, but let me just say this, is, is because mammon will always try and compete with God or take the place of God. How many of you have actually ever said this? You've said, listen, you know what I need? I need a a miracle from God. I need an absolute miracle, a supernatural miracle in my life. Or I need a sherbet load of money. I need a truckload. I just need a huge deposit to come into my bank account, or I need God to do a miracle. Well, since when are they on the same plane? That's what we say. We say, you know what could happen now? Really, I just need God to come through for me for this deal. If he comes through me for this deal, then I'm telling you what. And you know what? Mammon can play the game of religion as well. If God will come through with me on this, I'll tell you what. I am going to bless so many people. I'm going to be such a giver in the kingdom. This is my Bible tells me that I think sowing comes before reaping. See, this this mammon tries to come into our lives and try and rule our lives. And um, I want, I'm, 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 I'm trying to kind of do a quick analogy, but um, if, we can, if we can allow the Lordship of Christ to be ruling and reign over our lives, if we can uh, put money in its rightful place, if we can allow God to bless finances, then, friends, we can begin to see a supernatural harvest begin to happen Financially, and I believe this. I really do believe this. In Genesis chapter one, it says, "It says they 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 produce or they multiply after their own kind." I believe with every single part of my being that when you relate to finances and you begin to sow finances, you can expect a harvest of finances. I know a lot of people go, no, I sow finances, but I expect I get a harvest of peace and joy and, and this and that. That's wonderful, but the Bible tells me that it produces after its own kind. If you want to operate in finances and be blessed by finances, you sow finances. I never see a farmer sowing seeds and looking out there, is, where are my apples today? Right? Because it produces what you sow, friends. So what I'm saying is I'm talking about finances because that's what we want to sow. That's how we want to operate. There's a, a multiplication here. Having said all of that, I also want to say this. When God's going after lordship over our lives, the reason why he's going after it first, before there's a a sowing and reaping principle, the reason why he goes after it is because the motives of our heart are vital. It's vital that we get that thing right. This isn't now just trying to follow. That's what I'm saying. We haven't touched all the little technicalities yet, because if you don't get this right, it's a waste of time with the technicalities, and I'll prove it from the Bible, and Proverbs 16, verse 2, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. Of course they are. All his ways, sharp, very good. Perfect in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the heart. He sees the heart. James 4, 3, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. You to spend it on your own passions. James 4, 3. 1 Corinthians 13, 3, the most scary scripture in the Bible, if you ask me, if I give away all I have, but have not love. I can give away all I have. All I have. I can give it away. Woo! That's giving. But if it never came from the right motive of love, friends, it profits me. I gain zippo, zero, nada, nothing, zilch, chien, nix. Ni. Nee. <laughs> nothing, friends. Isn't that amazing? The 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 Reflection of the heart. A little Old Testament one, which I love. In Deuteronomy, I think it's chapter 15, verse 10. If you go and study it there, it's a beautiful analogy about um, um, the Sabbath. And every seventh year. Did you know that in the Bible, God's principle was every seventh year that everybody's debts were cleared? Every seven years. Man, that shatters the spirit of mammon. Every seven years? What? Can you imagine the banks after seven years? Right. All your debts cleared. Whoop. You can start again. What? What? Yeah, but no, we want to operate in the other system, though. No, I like the banks. I want to go to the banks. I want to get my credit cards. I want to get my things. Because they speak to me. They tell me something. They tell me that I'm important. The spirit of mammon. My clothes are important. My car is important. My credit cards are important. Uh, what I wear, what I drive, who I meet, who I mix with, all that. They're all very important. So money relates to all of that. Because trying to tell me that's what's important. Friends, that's not what's important. Do you know what came out of Jesus' mouth? Do you know that not once... Did Jesus ever say that money was an answer to anything? Nowhere. And we're called to be like Jesus. But coming out of our mouths often, friends, and I include myself in it, often is like if I just had some more money. That money's not an answer to anything. But you see, when we begin to trust God, we move ourselves into the realms that we, and I can see we're not even gonna get anywhere near this thing. But, but let me just say this, when we, when we begin to trust him in those realms, friends, the Bible is so full of the stories that I don't want to read in the Bible anymore. I want to be it. I want to live it. I want to be that. Look at the beautiful story of Elijah. 1 Kings, I think it's verse 17 around there, where he's a bit script whatever, and he, he, God takes him to the brook Cherith. Do you remember the story? He goes to the brook Cherith, and guess what happens to the brook Cherith? Ravens, friends, he drinks water from the brook, so he's got nice water flowing right there for him. And then ravens come and they bring bread and meat in the morning and the night, friends. They bring bread and meat, morning and night. I don't know if you know anything about ravens, friends, but a raven that brings you meat. (laughs) Friends, that's against his natural instinct. I want to tell you, if you begin to operate in God's realm and begin to operate the way God wants us to, then people will give into your life and bring into your life that's against their natural instinct. They will be saying, I don't know why, but I know I have to come and give you this. I don't know why, but I've been saving these millions to, for my retirement, but I just feel God's telling me to come and give you these millions to build your, proper, your, your church. I say, come on, because the ravens came and fed him meat, not just bread, bread and meat, friends. Isn't that Amazing. And you know what even goes, surpasses that. This is fantastic that God can actually do this, is that surpass that, friends, is that God moves him on. He moves Elijah on, and then he's sitting there, friends, and he gets a little prod, a little nod. (laughs) What's that? And it's an angel. And he says, hey, arise, arise and eat. And he turns and has a look, and there's coals, and there's a lacquer cake there, and some water ready for him to eat, friends. An angel Prepared some lacquer char and, some, and, and, and something to drink for him, friends. An angel. That's where you get angel cake from. <laughs> friends, here's the reality for, for us to understand. Does God need money? He's God. He can do the miraculous. He fed him with an, an angel came and cooked for him. I'm like, that's the cook that I want in my house. I want an angel cooking for me. I have my own cook. Ooh, he's an angel. He comes and you can, can you can you understand the greatness of God when we begin to operate in His realm instead of operating in other realms, right? So so what God's saying here is here's here's um, the spirit of Mammon. We can identify it straight away. The spirit of Mammon is selfish. The spirit of Mammon is buying and selling. The spirit of Mammon is withholding and keeping. The spirit of Mammon is about me us for no more, uh, it just it's a it's a, it's a withholding, right? Whereas when the Spirit of God is this sowing and reaping, it's generosity, it's it's lavishness, it's 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 a beautifully um, seen in in the 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 scripture that we read the other. I have to stand up for the scripture. No, I just have to see my Bible. Um, look at this two Corinthians chapter nine that we we we, we did last week, but. The point is this, friends. I'm trying to explain a point, right? The point is it's taking me a long time, but it's the point is this: whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. First principle, friends, of sowing and reaping, right? What you sow, you will reap. We have a weird, nutty mentality at times in the church. Sometimes it came through bad teaching with the grace message where the guys came walking back from the promised land with between them was this big grape that was their own size and it was carrying it and it's like, woo! check at these grapes and what have you. And we go, no, they went into the promised land and the beautiful word of God said that they had um, wells that they hadn't dug and they had vineyards that they hadn't planted and they had fields that they hadn't plowed. Whoa, it was so awesome. Yes, and what happened after that? They just sat back and they said, yes, Jesus has done it all. And I'm just going to sit here. And the flowers, the flowers, the, the fields just plowed themselves. Woo, and the grapes just appeared. The, the vines didn't actually need pruning. They were just pruned by themselves. Right? Come on, friends, we've got to use our understanding here a little bit. They, got, they were given an inheritance that they had not earned or worked for. But, friends, they still had now to go and operate in, in, in that in those fields, in those vineyards, there was work to be done. There's work to be done for the kingdom of God. Amen. So, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. What you sow, you do reap. Right? If you sow a field, you reap a field. Right? Okay. Because that's not actually true, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back to you. What you sow. So, it's important that you do sow. So, in other words... If you sow, sow, so sow, if you sow, if you, like, if, if you like, yeah, Lord, I'm going to sow a 100 rand. But I'm expecting him to clear my million and a half debt. you got a lot of faith. <laughs> what I'm saying is that there's a correlation here that we need to understand. That's why God develops our sowing, right? Anyway, let me not get caught up in that. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that you, having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. Isn't that beautiful? That, that is just so powerful. But So when we just take a step back here, if you, if you went to verse 5, you could also have a look there that Paul is saying the, 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 he wanted a willing gift, not an extraction. You know when you come there and say, right, everybody, look in your wallets, give me your money. I'm gonna, he didn't want to extract it out of you. like It's like, oh, I'm going to... But you can you see two hearts here? One mammon, one um, God. The mammon one is I'm doing it grudgingly. I'm doing it under c- compulsion, like ex- extracting, extorting this money out of me. Can you see? And, and, and then uh, sparingly. Just I'll just open my wallet and have a look here and go, okay, well, these animals, no, not a cheetah, not a, uh, yeah, a wildebeest, that'll do. Right? Right? <laughs> But what's the heart that God wants? The the right motive of the heart when he's Lord. What's the heart It says, cheerful. This is a guy who's a willing gift. I'm excited. I'm willing. It's cheerful. It's um, not under compulsion or reluctantly. This is, uh, I'm excited to give. And then it's a bountiful, not sparingly, but a lavish gift. What's the difference between those two? The way you see God. That's the simple difference. The one is it's extortion. It's like God. I see God as a taker. He he just wants my money. One person sees God as a giver. He sees God as lavish. He sees that God gives him the privilege to partner with him, that I'm not seeing he's wanting to take money away from me. I'm seeing he's wanting to bless me. The other one's thinking he just wants to keep asking me for money. He's always trying to take some money and whatever. Because, see, both are givers. See, God's not happy with one. I don't want... Somebody who's upset, I want somebody who's smiley when he gives, right? This is about a sowing and reaping principle that we're talking about here. It's a heart attitude, friends, when we get this heart attitude right. Why is this all important? Let's go back to the story of Jesus with the five loaves and two fishes. First of all, he blessed it. Right? When he blessed it, friends, it was now God was able to do the what he wanted to do on it. So we tithe and we give it into God's hands, and he's now God's spirit is on our finances, right? Now, when we've got our finances, then Jesus says, right, let me break these finances as we sow now. So what Jesus did is he broke the bread. So think about Peter. Peter comes up. Doot, doot, doot. Yeah, well, here's the loaf. Jesus breaks it and gives him back a half. I had one, and I have half. This doesn't sound good to me. I think you need to carry on praying. Jesus, something's not working here. What did Peter have to do? He had to take the half, and he had to go and share the half. He had to go break the half. So he went and said, yeah, you can have half. Oh, you can also have half. Oh, you can also have half. Okay, you can have half, you can have half, ah, you can have half, and you can have half, and you you can all have half. And there's 12 baskets left over. See, the multiplication happens in our hands, but we have to first get, make sure he's Lord, and then we have to allow him to multiply it through our hands. So I sow, sow, so sow, so what we sow we reap. Second principle: what we sow we reap. Second principle: guess what? I know this sounds crazy, but you have to sow before you reap. Right? What you sow, you reap. You have to sow first before you reap. We're all wanting to reap before we've sowed, right? So we sow what we reap. We also, there's sowing before we reap. And then God always, and I'll land, so before kind of gets too excited. I will land with this and say this, that we always reap. and This is what I wanted to come back to when I said what I said before. I'm going to. Adjusted slightly. We always reap more than we sow. You see, when I sow an apple seed, I don't get an apple seed back. What I get is an apple tree. And I will never know how many apples that tree will give me and for how many years it will give me apples. So you will never know when you sow just what kind of return but one thing you can be sure is that you will reap more than you ever sowed. There is a sowing and reaping principle in the Bible, which is a multiplication. And uh, for just a quick thing in, in, in Luke chapter 6, uh, if you go Luke chapter 6, verse 38, just quickly. I love this. It's a beautiful. You have to look in the context of Luke chapter 6, where he's not just talking about finances. He's also talking about um, don't judge, you will not be judged, and don't condemn, you will not be condemned. forgiven, and will be forgiven. Um, and then he says, "Give, and it will be given to you." Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will he put it into your lap? I just love that. It's a you-so giving and receiving principle of God. Hoarding, stealing, taking, spirit of mammon, <laughs> cheating. No, the way you can get ahead is why don't you just cheat the tax man? Or why don't you, don't don't do that? Just I tell you how you know how you make money. You got it. You just like do this, just like no, no. God says the way you actually get blessed here yeah, is is giving. But if you give, then it says then you will be given back to you good measure. Dressed down, shaken together, running over. And I'll finish with this story. That might make no sense to you, but it made tremendous sense to the people that he was writing it to. I'll tell you why. In the Bible, what happened was the people that owned the land, the farmers that were farming the land, what they were called to do, God asked them to do, is that they reaped from the center of their land. They left the corners of the land open. The reason why they left it open is that so the poor could come and collect from the corners of the land. So, what happens when you're a, a, a farmer and you want to harvest your land? You've got a whole bunch of people employed now, and they just grab the crop, whatever, and they fill it with baskets, and off they go, and they dump it into the, into the things that, that are going to take it away. I'm trying to think in those days, I've been nearly said a truck, but there wasn't any truck. So, whatever there was, that's, that's how they operated. So, what that they is, they just kind of did fill the basket, kind of put as much as they could in the basket, and went off. What happened to a poor person? What happened to a poor person is there to walk miles. Um, to come there. So it was very important that they made sure they got as much as they could. So what happened with them is that they would glean from the field, and they would fill the basket. Good measure. Then what they would do is press down. Not just fill, press down. Press it down. Then shaken, because they wanted to make sure there's no air here. You, I can't eat air. You can, I, if you have some of these chips that they Tell you these days, but but the reality is moving. uh, The the reality is friends is good measure pressed down, shaken together. Can you understand the wording here? They put they filled the basket, then they pressed it down, and they shook it again so there was no air, and then filled it again till it was running over, overflowing. That's what how God gives back to you. Not just I'll give back to you here. No, this is how He gives back. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's how God wants to give us. So now when it comes to a sowing and reaping principle, I get so excited. I go, okay, Lord, what what are you saying to me? What do you want me to do? Because I know that there's going to be a harvest that's going to come back my way. That's good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I'm now putting my finances into a realm that's way beyond buying and selling. That's why, friends, you've got the stories like, um, uh, which I love in the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 4, it's now Elisha. Elisha comes to the widow at Zarephath, and when she comes to the widow at Zarephath, he, he sits there and he says to her, um, can you bring me something to drink? And, and um, have you got anything? Can you bring me um, a cake? And she goes, oh, I don't really have anything. Have a little bit of oil, a little bit of flour. I'm just going to make this cake. Me and my son, we're going to eat it and we're going to die. And, and then he goes, okay, give me first. Every one of us here would be going, good grief! Grant, did you hear what Grant did? He took that poor old lady's last cake. he's understanding, our friends, but Jesus can sit and watch a widow woman gave everything that she had into a basket and say, "Wow, she gave awesome, awesome! Every, she gave more than everybody else," and not want to give her back her money because he understood kingdom. He understood the principle there. What happened to that widow? She gave Elisha first, and guess what happened? Her oil and her flour never ran out. As long as there was drought, she got fed. That widow woman's testimony, go and speak to her in heaven one day, and she will tell you that not only was her needs met, but she was constantly provided by God, provided for. Because that's what God wants for us, to live in the realms where he provides. Amen, I've landed. I can't,
0: i I'll. I'll yeah. You've taken the clock away, so I'm obviously... Thank the Lord it's a series. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Can we just honor that word? That was so brilliant. Man. So awesome. <laughs> so we won't get to the questions today because I know we, we've <coughs> kept you guys really long, but we will do that next week. Next week we're going to do a, a bit of a panel and it'll be a lot more questions and answers. Um, we'll have the questions prepared beforehand and uh, it'll be a bit more d- of a discussion. But um, man, it's just exciting that God's actually leading us in this as a church. And I think it's been one of the most freeing things to talk about the topic of money without the, the lens or the perspective of this burden, but actually seeing it in the context of the kingdom and getting excited about what God's actually doing in our lives um, and wanting Him to have every part of us, you know. So shall we just stand as we, as we pray? And um, we just want to say thank you to those of you that are here today. Uh, in the room, um, we believe that these times here physically are going to get wild. Um, we have an expectation for miracles. And uh, so I want to encourage you, even from, from next week, um, if there's people with, with physical problems and things in their body, like, come on, let's go after healing as a community. Let's really, uh, we know who we are. We know what we carry. Um, but also we pray that, that what the message that's been shared today, um, we, j- we pray that that would equip you and stir you and get you excited and, and full of fire. Um, to live the life that God's called you to live and to begin to sow finances into the kingdom. And I know there's probably lots more questions and things that you're thinking about in your head. Stick with us over the next couple of weeks. We're going to unpack this thoroughly and really make sure that as a family and as a community, um, we're positioned well for the kingdom. So let's just pray. Um, Dad, do you want to just pray over, over everybody and, and then we'll say
1: goodbye? Yeah. Okay. I can? Yeah, I can do that. Um... Just an encouragement, too. I would uh, encourage you for next week for the panel. Um, it would be nice to ask us uh, questions that relate to what we have shared and not necessarily uh, questions on the whole thing because we haven't got to it yet. It's, it's wait for us to, to, to help in those areas first. But what I've shared, if there's something that's challenging you, and Connor has shared, if something is challenging And then if you can send it, yeah, because it, it is much so much easier to have the questions that we can then answer them with the time without um, having to now off the cuff share and if it's me it's going to take me a, quite a long time amen okay so Lord we just thank you we thank you today we, Lord we just um, thank you that we are eternal beings and we don't have time limits um, that we just love you we, we love that we can gather around your word Lord we we, we want to say Father our hearts desire it's our hearts cry Father that your voice will become louder that the voice of this world, the voice of man, would become just quiet, Lord God. That we would tremble at your word. And uh, Lord, finances are just a huge thing, Lord God. You, you understood that, Lord God. It was, a, it was it's, a, it's, they, they speak into our, into our lives and they speak over our lives and they speak into our circumstances every single day. And uh, Lord, I pray that as we share and over the next couple of weeks, as we continually unfold uh, the kingdom of God and finances, and uh, and ignite faith, uh, so that we can action our faith in our finances, Lord. Um, that Lord, this this uh, mammon would would get be silent um, because you are such a faithful God love you so much Lord so I just pray today Lord that everything that's been shared um, that people would go home grapple with it Lord listen to it again um, that it would just be such good seed Lord God in in every one of our hearts that it's going to bring forth such a harvest in the days ahead Lord I pray that people here are positioning themselves for an outpouring God 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9 God is going to and fro his eyes roam the earth to and fro looking for a man or a woman whose heart is after him, that he can entrust with the end time finances, that he knows they will be faithful, that they will flow through their lives to bring about the kingdom of God. We get blessed because they flow through our lives, but they're for the kingdom that it would advance and establish his kingdom on this earth. Lord, I pray today, Father, that every single person here would be one of those people that you would find them faithful, a heart that's generous after you, a heart that wants to establish you, Lord, that's after your name and your glory. And uh, thank you, Father, for your love for us, that you want to bless every single one of us, Lord. You want us to live in blessing. There was no needy one among them. God doesn't want any one of us to be in need. He wants us to be blessed. And I thank you today, Lord God, that you're positioning us more and more in that position. Bless your people as we do go out, Father. Thank you for a great week, Lord God. Thank you for incredible testimonies of your goodness and your love over every single person here, Lord God. I thank you, Father. Every person that's listening as well, Lord God, that's on the online service. I pray, Father, that you would encounter them in new and marvelous ways, Lord God. If they don't have, Lord God, finances, Lord, I pray and trust them with finances. If they do have finances, I pray unlock their finances for the kingdom. But I pray that every single person begin to see the lavish outpouring of finances. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Bless your people, Lord. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much to those of you that have been here with us. Thank you for wearing your masks. I know they're not comfortable, but it's just good to, to honor each other. And we're really grateful for that. To those of you at home, we love you so much. We'll see you in the week on all our Zoom things and all the activity of the church. But we love you. Thank you for an amazing time together. Bless you guys.